Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Caroline Green. Caroline is an author, recovering lawyer, and chronic overachiever who believes you don't have to stop being you to be an awesome mom. As a life coach, Caroline helps highly motivated, determined women build lives that truly matter to them and their families. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for making the time. And let's talk about time in a, in a mom's schedule. I want to get right into it. Um, most of my viewers and listeners are the parents of tweens and teens, which is the mm-hmm. kind of the next chapter in parenting after you've been on top of the kid all the time, watching everything they pick up, every spoonful that goes into their mouths. And, and now they're kind of pushing back as they're supposed to and finding more interests outside of the home. The social life starts to get more important. And parents might find themselves with more time on their hand. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is how can parents avoid um, being so identified with mom and momism that they've kind of let go and really forgotten about who they were before they became a mom? Yeah. So I call this phenomenon being lost in mommy land. You know, it's just, there's so much. And in our culture, there's the expectations of what it means to be a quote unquote good mom or good partner. They're just, they can be so overwhelming. And so when all of a sudden those time pressure demands are released, you can um, actually have this incredible deflation, this loss, a new loss of sense of identity, a feeling of loneliness and isolation. And, you know, and it's made so much worse because we live, in a culture in which we don't talk about these things. You know, we talk about soccer schedules and we talk about who's baking what for whatever, but we don't say, you know, how are you? Oh, I'm actually really lonely and confused, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it just, and so we get more and more isolated and, and it can be hard to broach these tough topics. But when you talk about where to start, what, where, how do we dig into this question? There's so many different ways we can approach this, but the very first, Annie, is always just being honest with yourself. And even before you start talking or use it with other people about it, or you start doing or making changes, which you know sometimes can be our go-to, is just, I'll just do more things and I'll start going to this exercise class and I'll start volunteering here or I'll go back to work or whatever those things are, to just really be able to say to yourself, wait, where am I? Am I showing up the way that I want to be showing up? What kind of person not only do I want to be raising, but do I want to be? And really, honestly, get quiet and honest with yourself about where you are right now, as frightening as that concept might be. Wow. You know, um, I love how in your book, um, the blurb on the back says that you went from the top of your law class to the kitchen floor. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I'd like to just hear a little bit about your epiphany moment when, you know, in between scraping up last night's tomato sauce off the floor, yeah. you realized, wait, who do, who do I want to be? Who, where am I? Where am I? You know, yeah, that was such, such a crucial moment for me when I realized, and in the book I share about, that's actually the day that my husband made partner at his law firm. We met in, in graduate school together. And I say this very compassionately with total respect for my husband, but I was the stronger student. Like I thought that I was going to be the one who was going to be in the workforce for forever. And he was going to be the one that was going to um, stay home if I was being really honest with myself. And here I was 10 years later, right? And he's, he's at the top of his career and I'm still in the kitchen. And, 
And there's nothing wrong with that. I owned that choice. It was so important to me. It was the right choice for us. It was the right choice for our family, but it was so painful to just, um, to be in that space of suddenly saying, how did I get here? And not only that, to be honest about the fact that Annie, I had a, I had a really nice life. I have a really nice life, but in that moment I had the house I wanted. My kids were in the school I wanted. I, I was so blessed in so many ways. And the guilt around not feeling content, the Mm -hmm. guilt around just really owning. I I built this life that I'm supposed to love. And I do, I do love it, but I I don't, I'm not happy. I'm not feeling fulfilled. I don't feel satisfied. I don't. And this is the, the title of my book. I don't matter in the way that I thought that I would. I'm not having the impact that, that I thought that I would was, um, was a huge aha moment for me and a huge insight into just the reality going back to this point of being really honest with yourself that something needed to change. So where did you go from that epiphany? You know, I wish it could be easy. This is the point in my story when I wish I could hand over a, a, a checklist, you know, like first I did this. And the truth is I, I allowed myself to the space and the time to say, this is, this is going to be harder than I thought it was going to be. And that's okay. Um, I, I started by, uh, I, I got a lot of help. So I hired a coach. I entered coach training program. Um, I reached out to friends. I started reading a lot again for the first time in a long time, um, both for pleasure, but also just to hear people's stories and their journeys and to understand what worked for them. Uh, I started getting more active in my community and ultimately I just finally said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And I um, decided to open a coaching practice, even though I was scared and terrified and everyone was looking at me like I was crazy because I didn't go back to my law firm um, and just go for it and, and learn as I went. So. And so first your goal was, I, I noticed that was interesting. You said first you got a coach and then you entered into a coaching training program. Yeah. So my timeline, I'll be more specific. So the first thing that happened to me was I found the work of Dr. Martha Beck, um, who is, is a writer, a Harvard trained sociologist, and she's written a number of books, finding your North star steering by starlight. Um, and I found her work and I felt when I read her books, like I had been heard and seen for the first time in a really long time. And so, um, I actually, in my head, I equate her as my first coach, but I obviously didn't hire her. She's a, she's an author. And, and I actually reached out to her coach training program, um, was first. Um, and, and I joke all the time. I never thought I'd be a coach. I, but I figured out how much it would cost to keep paying my therapist or to train myself to help (laughs) myself. And it looked cheaper to actually just get the skills. Um, and so, and so I entered really from this place of just not wanting to be a coach, but really just to help myself. And then shortly thereafter, um, after finding Martha and then entering her coach training program, then I hired my first coach about two or three months into the training program. Okay. So let me ask you something. Um, I'm, I'm taking the point of view of people who are listening to this and that you're speaking to them. There's this kind of vague malaise about, um, yeah, this is. I have the trappings of the life that I imagine for myself. Um, you know, the, the healthy relationship, the kids who are doing well, the home environment, all, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm not, I feel like something's missing. So 
My question then is, when you start to have these feelings and you then take these feelings to into a conversation with a partner who mm-hmm. obviously is being supported in large part by what you're doing on the home front, mm-hmm. um, how did that come down? <laughs> so I've got to tell you, I literally married a saint. I, I, I always tell people I'm so glad that God chose my husband, not me, because he's much better taste than I do. <laughs> and and he was so great. It was hard because at first, you know, what he heard was I'm not happy. And he worked so hard to provide that stability and happiness. And he was happy, right? So at the beginning, there was this, um, he was afraid. I mean, I think it boils down to right, a fear on the partner's part. Yeah. But once we got through that, and once he really heard, it's not that I'm unhappy with you. I'm not unhappy with the kids. You know, I don't want to pack up the car and move to Florida by myself. I just like, I need something else in my life. He, he was really welcoming and supportive. I'm very, very lucky that there was a lot of room there for him. He consistently says, you know, do whatever it's going to take to make you happy. And he recognized really early on that when I'm happy, he's happier. The kids are happier. I mean, that old adage, when mom is happy, you know, everyone's (laughs) happy is actually really true, except I don't really buy happiness to me represents a sort of a fleeting short-term sensation. And really what this journey about has been about for me and, and for us as a family is reconnecting with joy, reconnecting with that deep grounded sense um, of meaning and purpose and lightness and freedom, all these things that um, go beyond sort of that, ha- that you don't have to be happy all the time. You don't have to smile all the time, but you can still feel that sense of grounded contentment and joy. And so, so I'm very lucky that he received it. Okay, um, so I'm guessing now that you are a coach that you sometimes encounter people whose partners are not so saint-like. Yeah, what yes. kind of? Absolutely, yeah. Because as you say, change can be really threatening, especially for the person who does who doesn't feel like they have a problem. They they're like really cool with the way things are, and you are the one who is saying, you know, we we need to mix things up here. So what advice do you give to the people that you coach who say, I'm into this, Caroline, and I went home and we had the conversation and wow, it did not go down well. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, in coaching, a lot of what we look at is we first recognize that um, how we're showing up in the conversation and how we're showing up in the relationship. So it's not to say that that the other partner doesn't have to take responsibility for his or her own his or her own actions or feelings, but that we start with ourselves. And one thing that people really don't realize is that a lot of time people reflect back to us our own emotional state. And so just without even realizing it, it's actually a biological process rooted in what's called mirror neurons. And so the way I talk about this is if you go to your friend um, and you say, yeah, you know, I have this opportunity to do this thing, but I'm really not sure if it's very good. This is how they'll 99% of the time. This is how they'll react. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure either. Like, what do you think about that? They'll actually emotionally (laughs) meet you where you are. Whereas like you call the exact same friend and you say, I have this amazing opportunity. I'm so excited. Chances are they're actually going to say, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Right. (laughs) So when, and that's just normal human. That's just the way we connect relationally is that we meet people in the emotional spot that they're in. So when there's that disconnect, one of two things is often happening. One, 
we're actually not owning our own fear, our, the, our, own, um, our own reservations. And so we're actually showing up with this energy of like, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. And I feel like maybe I'm being selfish because I'm threatening the status quo. And this is making me uncomfortable. And so they're actually just echoing back your deepest fears. And then we get mad at them mm-hmm. like we, because they're actually saying the things that we're thinking, but so we're not saying. So that's one of the first things that, that I flush out with a client is, okay, where is this really coming from? The second phase is if you've done that work and you're like, no, 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 trust me, Caroline, like I'm showing up excited and they're showing up not supportive. And we can really say that that's actually what's happening, which sometimes it is. Mm-hmm then it really comes down to boundary drawing. I mean, this is a word that gets thrown out all the times, but of how to compassionately and clearly navigate that you respect where they're coming from, you understand what's important to them, but that you have also been setting unhealthy boundaries for yourself by sacrificing too much of what's important to you and that that's going to change and that you, you're you very sorry that that's going to cause discomfort, but it's a little sorry, not sorry. You know, you're sorry that they're going to be uncomfortable and you're happy to work with them moving forward, but really help them adjust to the reality this change is happening. Um Yeah, I I just want to interrupt for a second because it sounds like this doesn't have to be an overnight 180 degree switch. And if you can listen well and and really with compassion to what your partner is saying and find out what their priorities are in terms of stability in the family, traditions, things like that, that, that really make us feel like we are a family, then you can certainly negotiate and say, okay, you know, that's important to me as well. And here's what I'm willing to do. Um, You know, dinner three nights a week, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, and I will continue doing that. Or I hear that's really important to you. To me, not so much. Um, I would like to negotiate us sharing that responsibility more so that it what we're talking about stays in the family intact, but I'm not doing a hundred percent of it. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that this is, um, not only is the change not 180 degrees overnight, but these conversations tend to take a lot of time to develop. And what I see over and over again, I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in my clients' lives, is that we actually haven't taken responsibility for our own expectations. So if we've grown up in families where, let's say, women have taken, our moms cooked all of the meals, or if they didn't cook them, they were responsible for making sure the rotisserie chicken was picked up and put on the table, whatever (laughs) that, that we're just going to own that with without even realizing it, no matter. And I always say like, I was a feminist studies major in in college. Like I said, I was never going to get married in the first place, let alone. And then here I was 10 years later, right on the kitchen floor, doing everything, running the house completely. Like I, you know, maybe my husband took out the garbage, but that was about it. Like there was no real sharing, Mm -hmm. but over time, what we were able to see was that I was the one who set up those expectations and he liked them. I mean, why not? Why not? Someone's taking care of you. Why not? You know, but once I started saying, Hey, like I set up this weird system where I do everything and then resent you for it. Like, can we kind of like change that? I mean, I obviously didn't say it in those words, but he was actually happy to meet me in that space, but it took time. And most importantly, it took recognizing that when we, when we turn to blame, when we turn to, you never helped me with anything, 
that is going to create a defensive reaction. It's never going to move the conversation forward. And here's the thing that's so hard to hear and so hard to understand, especially when we're new to this type of stuff, that when we're blaming people, we're actually 98% of the time angry at ourselves for something. For having it let let it go this long in that direction. You know, you bring up a really interesting point because while you're having these ongoing conversations, I, I picture kids watching mm-hmm. and listening and, and um, what is it that you're modeling when you're standing up for yourself? What is it that you're modeling when you listen and, and um, participate in a conversation compassionately with a partner, even if the subject matter is uncomfortable? It's all great stuff for kids to learn. It's so important. And you know, it's so interesting, actually, Annie, is that I interviewed, um, I don't remember the exact number, probably 35 women um, before I wrote my first book, sort of hear what their experiences were with this. And over and over and over again, what I heard was that um, they had expectations of themselves that they blamed their husbands for, and that the thing that moved them to change was that as their kids started getting older, they started looking around and saying, I'm not the woman wife partner that I want to model for my children mm-hmm. that, you know, that I want to show up. I want to show up whether it's, it does, and we're not talking about this equal partnership doesn't need to be a delineation of roles per se, who takes out the garbage, who doesn't, who works, who doesn't, but of what it means to model a true partnership in a family, by the way, whether your, your family is still, intact or whether or not the parents have separated, you can still model this, what it means to work together in that familial bond of mutual respect and, and having those hard conversations and coming to a compromise. And sometimes we do, my kids actually are quite little right now. They're still five and six, but we already have family meetings. And when we talk about these things and, um, you know, sometimes I joke, does I say to my husband, does everything have to be a democracy? Like I thought we were the parents. Um, but at the same, yeah, we are the parents and modeling that they have a voice, even if their voice isn't the final one, um, mm-hmm. and engaging them in really important conversations and actually like down to things like meal planning. Like we, we engage our kids in it. No, they, when, the, when they want to have mac and cheese every night for five nights in a row, they don't always win, but, but it doesn't mean that they don't get to participate in the solutions to those problems. And what we're really reminding them of, and what we're reminding ourselves of are that these are solvable problems. The things that feel overwhelming are actually problems that have solutions that, that we can work out with our partners and families. Yeah, I know. I love, I hear the word teamwork here and it's teamwork between the adults who are running the family. And it's also that idea that we as a family are a team. So when the, when the topic of chores and, and household responsibilities come out, we solve this together. This is what needs to be done. And I, as your mom, or we, as your parents are not necessarily the only ones who are able to help out in this area, even very young children. Um, can find joy and fun in cleaning up because <laughs> it's we all, you know it's a good idea to clean up after yourself. Okay, <laughs> well, yeah. I, you and I could, I mean, this this could be an ongoing series here. This is a great conversational topic, and I I I love this exchange. And you're right because things come up, and you need to be able to create the space so that the next time, um, you know. A very large dust moat comes in between you guys and the space between you feels like there's something unsaid that needs to be said. 
you've already got the groundwork and the foundation and the mutual respect to be able to talk about it safely. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, Caroline, this was great. It zipped by. We have about one minute left, and I'd love for you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to learn where on the web they can learn more about your work. I can be found at www.carolinegreencoaching.com, um, and I'd be happy for any anyone watching or listening um, to drop me an email at caroline at carolinegreencoaching.com. I always love hearing people's stories and where they are in their journeys, and I'm also on Facebook at carolinegreencoaching.com. And um, Annie, I'd love to offer anyone who's watching or listening a free copy of Matter. They can just email me at the email address that I mentioned and mention that they heard um, they heard about the offer on the show and um, put matter in the subject line and we'll get a copy out to them. That's so generous. Thanks so much, Caroline. And thank you for your work and for this time together. Thanks for having me. Bye. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People. And my latest book for tween girls, the girls' Q&A book on friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And please rate us on iTunes. It helps other folks find the show. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be school counselor and Washington Post columnist Phyllis Fagel. Until next time. Happy parenting.